Hello, you're listening to Search for Truth. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, John Martin, and shortly I'll introduce Brian, our Bible teacher. In this series, we're taking a look at the historic events which brought about the re-establishment of five vital tenets of the Christian faith. This time, we look at the fourth solo in our series called Five Sacred Solos. So, Brian, please continue. Thanks, John. Yes, in the past few weeks, we've talked about only the Bible, in other words, Scripture alone. We've also talked about faith alone and Christ alone. We've shown that the only authority for the Christian faith is found in the Bible and not in any church tradition. And from the Bible, we've seen how getting right with God is purely and simply by faith and not by relying on any merit or works of our own. And last week, we saw that in Christ alone and not in any creed, our hope is to be found. But our title refers to five things that stand alone, so there must be two more. We'll be looking at another of these great truths or teachings today. Remember, they were rediscovered at the time known as the Reformation period in Europe in the 16th century. Before I begin, are you good at remembering things? Do you use shortcuts to help you remember? I want to give you a few today to help you remember the vital truths we've been sharing in this series. We began, as we said, with the Bible. Think of those letters B-I-B-L-E. And remember the saying, because it brings life eternal. The first letters of each word, in order, spells Bible. Next, we talked about faith. Now I want you to think of the letters F-A-I-T-H. Forsaking all, I trust him. That's a helpful reminder of what faith really means. True faith doesn't keep its options open. What we've been emphasising is a faith that forsakes everything else to rely solely on Christ for forgiveness and the gift of eternal life. For Christ, I'm going to do something slightly different. Most will be familiar with the Christian fish symbol. It's been a Christian symbol from the earliest days of Christianity, from the time when the Greek language was the major world language. The Greek word for fish is ichthus, where each of the five Greek letters in that original word are drawn in order from the initial letters of Jesus, Christ, God, Son and Saviour, reminding us that Jesus is the Christ, the Bible's promised Messiah, and he's God's Son and Saviour to all who turn from their sins to God and believe in him. Today's subject is God's grace. We'll be talking about grace alone. How should we remember grace in a way that's like the other helps we've been using? Well, think of the letters G-R-A-C-E and let them remind you of God's righteousness at Christ's expense. And that's what I want to talk about today. I'm reminded of a note that I received from a young man in another country. He was describing a man that he'd been witnessing to. He referred to him as an SSBG. Think about what we've been sharing already, where letters stand for the entire word which begins with that letter. I wonder then what an SSBG means. There's a clue in this great Bible verse, which is our text for today. It's Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Yes, he was telling me about a sinner saved by grace. S-S-B-G. I can tell you straight away that I'm one of those two. 
as I hope you are also. Because, you know, we are all sinners, as Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 says. So there are only really two kinds of people in the world, saved sinners and sinners who don't have a saviour. But before I forget, let me tell you about the man my young friend was describing to me in this way. To avenge the death of his son by communist rebels in 1987, this man, who lived in the Philippines, committed multiple rape and murder, which resulted in him receiving a 20-year prison sentence. But in prison, he received Christ and began to study his Bible. In due course, he was released from prison, having served his sentence. My young friend now takes up the report. He says, When we arrived at his home, testifying of God's grace and of God's house, where he lives on earth today, he, this man, received our testimony and was not ashamed to testify to his families and neighbours about us. This sinner saved by grace is 75 years old, and when given a translation of a booklet called Ye That Are Christ's, he said that he learned much truth from it and offered his own land free so that a temporary meeting place can be built to accommodate 25 interested persons. Serenus truly is a sinner saved by grace. Perhaps you regard him as having done such terrible crimes that he doesn't deserve to know personal forgiveness from God. Maybe right now you're comparing your own life. It could easily be that it's much more respectable. But salvation is not something which any one of us deserves. Let's hear our Bible text again. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. It goes on to say that salvation is not of works, so that no one can boast. The word grace means God's undeserved favour, which he shows to us in granting any one of us salvation. In other words, the forgiveness of our sins. During the Spanish-American War, Theodore Roosevelt came to Clara Barton of the Red Cross to buy some supplies for his sick and wounded men. His request was refused. Roosevelt was troubled and asked, How can I get these things? I must have proper food for my sick men. Just ask for them, Colonel, said Barton. Oh, said Roosevelt, then I do ask for them. He got them at once through grace, not through purchase. A famous Greek name which we may recognise is that of Aristotle. He had a definition of grace back in those days which went like this. It was a favour freely done for a friend, something with no expectation of any return, something commendable since it was beyond the call of duty. But the way the word is used in the New Testament takes its meaning a giant step further forward. You see, grace describes God's unmerited favour shown towards us, not when we were his friends, but while we were enemies, Romans 5 and verse 10 says. This is God's free grace. But I don't want you to think for a moment that it cheapens salvation. Let me tell you that God's grace is free, but it's not cheap. The preacher, G. Campbell Morgan, was once approached by a soldier who said he would give anything to believe that God would forgive sins. But I cannot believe that he'll forgive me if I just turn to him. It is too cheap. Dr. Morgan said to him, You were working in the mine today. How did you get out of the pit? He answered, The way I usually do. 
I got into the cage and was pulled up to the top. How much did you pay to come out of the pit? I didn't pay anything. Weren't you afraid to trust yourself to that cage? Was it not too cheap? The man replied, Oh no, it was cheap for me, but it cost the company a lot of money to sink that shaft. The man saw the light, that it was the infinite price paid by the Son of God for our salvation, which comes to us by faith and not by anything that we can do. God's grace is certainly not cheap. Such a thing as cheap grace, if it exists in the minds of people, is grace without the cross. It's believing without repentance. Among the earliest recorded words of Jesus Christ in his own preaching was repent. Salvation costs us nothing. It's God's free gift. The Bible says in Romans 6 and 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. But we must be willing, as influenced by the work of God's Spirit, to allow God to change us. We cannot change ourselves. We come as we are to Christ in simple faith. Nothing in our hands, no works of our own to display. An artist once saw a beggar at the side of the road. It suggested a painting in his mind which he would entitle Man at the End. He hired the beggar to sit for him, set him a date to come to his studio and paid him half the agreed money in advance. On the agreed date, when the beggar arrived, the artist didn't recognise him. He'd used the money to smarten himself up. Oh no, said the artist, I wanted you to come as you were. And that's how we are to come to God, just as we are. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou me come to If you haven't come to God yet, ask yourself what's preventing you. Are you afraid? Or is something or someone standing in the way? If you want to get any difficulties resolved and you feel we could help or advise you, do please get in touch.
Remember, we have a free transcript booklet available for this series. If you'd like one or more for group study, please contact us, and you can ask any questions or comments at the same time. To obtain the free booklet, ask for the title Five Sacred Solos," and you can contact us at Search for Truth, P.O. Box one one one, Lee, spelt L E I G H, and the postcode is W N seven one W J England. But if you prefer to use email, the address is sft at churchesofgod.info. You might also like to visit our website at www.searchfortruth.org.uk. So that's it. We have to go now. We've enjoyed your company and hope you found the talk helpful. Please join us again next week if you're able. When Brian centres on glory to God alone. Until next time, then it's very best wishes from Bible teacher Brian, studio technician David. Stephen and Justine, our singers, and me, John Martin. Thanks for listening, and may God richly bless you. John.